What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Grocery Outlet Bargain Market is your home for huge savings on name brand products. This week, have a fun and delicious start to your morning with Post Nutter Butter Cereal. 19-ounce boxes are just 99 cents. That's a wow savings of up to 80% versus traditional grocery stores. Also, Star Kiss Chunk Light Tuna, 5-ounce cans are buy two, get one free. That's a wow savings of up to 64%. Limit three free. Offers good through March 12th. Grocery Outlet Bargain Market. of the Hardwood Knox podcast. Um, today, I'm Dan Favalli. I will not be here with Adam Frommel or Andy Bailey, but we are lucky enough to be joined by Posting and Toasting's co-editor, Joe Flynn. You can get Adam on Twitter, at China Joe Flynn. We'll be pimping that throughout the podcast. Um, Joe, how are you doing? I'm feeling pretty good. Um, uh, as good as someone who is about to discuss the Knicks can feel. Yes, um, spoiler alert, we are going to be discussing the Knicks, who have been so fantastically bad this season, it's infuriating. It's probably more frustrating for people who expected them to be really good, but I do believe you were one of the more realistic uh, ones heading into the season, where we all kind of knew they weren't going to be that great, but they're sitting at 22 and 29. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Nine. They're only a game and a half out of the playoffs. Before yeah, we get East. Yeah, but before we get into any nitty-gritty parts, what is the most frustrating thing about this team for you this season? Um, See, I guess the defense would be the number one answer, but the, the defense always sucks. Right. Uh, I've kind of gotten used to it. I would say, I would say actually, um, the the offense at times has been more frustrating because they should be better than what they are. The defense, I mean, you look at the guys on that roster, especially with uh, Joe Kim Noah dragging like uh, Joe Kim like Noah, a, worst contract a bloody stump in the where NBA. a leg should be. Yeah. Like his contract is close. It, I would say it has yeah, number to be. one. He's in the top. I, I would say it has to be like what contract is worse than Joe Kim Noah's right now? Four years and yeah, seventy-two well, point six million for the thirty-one-year-old corpse of Joe Kim Noah. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I mean, off the top of my head, I can't think of any. So I mean, like there is uh, probably number one. Yeah, it has to be up there. Um, Timothy Mozgov's was bad. I mean, that, that was a bad one. Ooh, yeah. Jan Mahinmi hasn't played this season. That was another bad one. Um, a lot of people don't like Evan Turner's, but I don't know that you could trade. Joakim Noah for nothing like I just yeah I, oh you couldn't so um so 
then again, I don't think you could trade Evan Turner. No, I mean, hey, if they want to do a Joakim Noah for Evan Turner swap, I'd consider it. Some more defensive versatility on the perimeter, which has been a disaster this year. Ro- Rose looks like he's checked out on that end. Like, he knows he's not oh, coming defense, back next he, year. He never checked in. <laughs> you, It kind of makes you appreciate, and I guess I was younger, so I didn't watch as much of him then, but w- was he ever a good defender? Like, people tried to paint him as one in Tom Thibodeau's system, but it makes you appreciate prime Joakim Noah, Luol Deng, and Jimmy Butler for how much they had to cover up for this dude who just doesn't even... Maybe it was different, but like he even when he tries, he just he even bounces off screens. He, he tries like in the worst way possible. Like he goes for steals at the worst moment. He lunges the wrong way. He plays uh, the ball handler off to the wrong, you know, the wrong hand. He just um, it's a cavalcade of and mistakes. He doesn't, he doesn't help, and it's Melo's guilty of this too. But like they and Melo when he does help. He, like, fake runs and doesn't put a hand up, like when he's closing out on shooters. Yeah. And I never understood it. Um, kind of speaking of Melo, though, he's been in the news lately because it's February, and we were closing out on February, so it's annual. The Knicks should trade Carmelo Anthony to so-and-so. Will he waive his no-trade clause for these teams? The Clippers have been most heavily linked to him with a little bit of the Cavaliers. The offers that we're seeing are built around Austin Rivers, Jamal Crawford, maybe Wesley Johnson. J.J. Redick hasn't even been involved in the offers. We know the big, no, not none of the big three, excuse me, will be going back to New York or elsewhere. Can you justify to me making this deal? I don't think it's going to go through, but can you, can you even justify the Knicks just pulling the trigger on this framework where we haven't even, I haven't heard anything about picks outside of the second round going their way? Well, no. I mean, it's no. <laughs> just that the thing about Austin Rivers is he's become such a joke that he is, you know, he has developed into a decent rotation player. But then that's the headliner. I mean, that's, you know, that's the number one guy you're getting back and Jamal Crawford is up there in worse contracts. Um and Wesley Johnson, I uh, guess yeah, so. That's, it's they don't bl- have the problem with the Clippers is they don't have a pick to offer until t- 2021. So a first rounder. And I know I think someone said this to me on Twitter, and I, I firmly disagree about it. I'm not if Melo's going to the Clippers, I'm not banking on Chris Paul or even Blake Griffin leaving this summer. You can't tell me, hey, the Clippers are going to be really bad in three or four years. Like you know, and and that would even make it more puzzling though, because Phil Jackson's not going to be here in three or four years. Yeah, that's of... um, that's what is really amazing about it, the idea that he would. Uh, I have to say, I think there's no way that Paul is going to be able to carry the team as much as he will, like in 2020, 21. Um, but if you have, you I know, mean, he's just he's already has injury problems. Uh, he's just for his size, it's like that would be unprecedented almost. Um, but I think the thing for me is that let's assume Blake. Blake and DJ would still be in their prime. Like, I think that, and if you pair them with aging Melo, assuming he stays on his contract's up, aging Chris Paul, you know, yeah, you're right. This team has had injury problems. But if everyone stays healthy, that's not a lottery team. So you're still, the headlining pick is not only is it not a top pick, but it's this mid-end pick that you don't get for almost half a decade. I, I disagree with you a bit that I, I think that in four even uh, Griffin and Jordan, I mean, 
how much how effective will Jordan be without Chris Paul? Like uh, how you know Griffin is already you know he misses half the year, basically every season now. How is he going to be? Especially because you know how is he going to be when his athleticism starts to starts to go? I mean, I he he has the jump shot and everything, but you know how is he going to defend? He has real short arms but it's it's hard to and he doesn't quite have that three-point range so i'm what i mean even if you we disagree that they might not be you know it might not be a net situation where they end up just horrible uh yeah four years from now so like what gm does that oh yeah okay so i i guess i kind of agree with you uh, on the pick front but with the with the way this offer is being instructed like it's so flagrantly bad that pick would probably be – like, if it's unprotected, then I guess maybe at least you can say you got a pick. But I don't – it's like you said at the end. Like, Phil Jackson's old enough to where I don't know why he would be thinking four and five years down the line. And it bothers me because I know people have been saying that he tried to sign Austin Rivers and that Austin Rivers has gotten better. Austin Rivers has improved while normally playing beside one to three superstars and facing second units. And it's not like he looks great when he's replacing Chris Paul and – his contract, yes, it's cheaper, but it's not any shorter. Um, and it's the same with Jamal Crawford. So I just that but Jamal offer. Crawford's contract is horrible. Right. Oh so, my god. So it's just, and they're talking about a team that would just take him on. I'm, I'm like, what team? Would, they even said the Nets. And in my head, I'm like, why would the Nets even want to take him on? Like they yeah. have a bunch of these young guards that I'm sure they would rather see than Jamal Crawford, who's who's a very cool dude, but his contract is just bat crap terrible. It is, yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous. They just was it this off season where they signed him? Was it three years, forty two million? Yeah, that was this off season. That was and after he is. Uh, that, yeah, that, that was after two years of like, will we trade him? Won't we trade him? I was almost surprised to see him go back there. But when they were going to offer him that kind of money, it, <clears> some of these contracts that Doc Rivers gives out. Yeah, you gotta. If Doc Rivers is is signing the checks, you you go back to the Clippers. Right, but I just does he like have the like is does he even plan on being here by the end of them? Because he just gives out these these deals or so, like that. Remember that Jared Dudley trade where he gave up a first round pick to get rid of Jared yeah. Dudley? So that was uh, yeah, the whole thing. And and this is the guy that's gonna fleece you in a mellow trade. Who he hasn't been this bad on defense, I, I don't think ever. And sometimes wow. he looks completely disengaged. It doesn't even seem like oh he's trying and not grasping it. He just looks so disinterested at points but he's he's still a top 20 offensive player like if you want to remove him from that superstar but like he's still one of the best offensive players in the league and you're, you're even considering like moving him for absolute dreck is is mind-boggling to me and this is where i guess it comes to a a real debatable head the knicks don't need to move mellow right like he is he really impeding their rebuild that much the Knicks 100% do not have to trade Melo. Uh, Chris Stops loves him. Chris Stops, what, yesterday uh, told reporters, I don't want Melo to leave. And his teammates really love him. Um, you know, it's not like a Chicago Bulls situation where they're ev- all the players are fighting. The Knicks, you know, they like each other. They're just not that good. And uh, the 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 one guy in the organization who really doesn't seem to like Mello is Phil Jackson, which doesn't make that much sense to me. I just don't see how he 
would have impeded Phil. Like, Phil didn't have to resign him then or give him the no-trade clause. I, that whole... Maybe keeping Melo was sort of mandated by James Dolan before Phil ever officially took the job, but the, the fact that he wouldn't want him so badly that he's just going to trade him for pieces that don't advance or even... They don't advance your rebuild. And I just... I don't think we've reached that point, even with Melo's salary. And I don't think the perception around the league is as such that, hey, this guy really isn't worth anything. Yeah. I mean, people kind of... A lot of uh, a lot of people, you know, on Twitter, they will say, you know, Mello, oh, what is he worth? His, he's got a high salary and uh, doesn't play defense very well or at all. But I think around the league, his reputation is still uh, pretty high. And, uh, I mean, I think people realize, you know, there's not a lot of there are not a lot of folks who could get you, you know, consistent 30 points. And uh, now that his three-point shooting is trending up, um, he was really efficient in January. Uh, he was shooting like, like 40, 42% or something from the three and averaging, uh, especially the second half of the month, damn near 30 points a game. Um, there are not a lot of guys who can do that for you. So... Um, that is a very unique skill set and a valuable one. So I think, you know, in the league, they understand that, but is there a match? I don't really think there is this, 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 uh, season. Uh, so it's just kind of, uh, you know, if they're going to do a trade, they might, you know, why not look at Kylo Quinn or someone else who actually, they could move. And maybe actually get a pick back for like maybe yeah. someone's willing to give you a low end first for O'Quinn or I used to think Lance Thomas was worth worth something but he's injured too much so I don't know why you wouldn't go that route and you made the point and it, it's a good one the right trade probably isn't out there especially in the middle of the season um, and there's nothing you're not hurting yourself I think is, is the bigger thing to me by by keeping mellow because I said this and I'm not sure if it makes complete sense. But their ceiling with him seems like it would be higher than their basement is lower without him. Just because if Rose stays healthy and that offense eventually translates into, into something, the biggest mistake that I think the Knicks probably made was pairing him and Rose together because playing Melo beside a pass-first point guard is a great idea. And you can see flashes of it when he hits these spot-up threes off kickouts or that extra pass. But Rose isn't that point guard. And to me, yeah. that's why he should even be valuable both inside and outside the organization because if you put him beside that player, and we can use Chris Paul as the example, or we can use whoever really, a pass-first point guard, that unlocks sort of a different level, and it's something you pointed out. It, um, it almost unlocks Olympic mellow. won't be as easy, yeah. but that's a style he's, he's fit for. Yeah, and that's uh, one of the things that kind of really annoys me, a criticism of Mello that annoys me, is the idea that he would never accept anything less than being like the alpha scorer. And like there, I said, uh, I think on Twitter, they, we have three Olympic tournaments worth of information uh, on Melo's ability to, you know, just even, even coming off the bench um, as just a secondary scorer, spot up shooter. He's willing to do that if for the right team. Um, uh, he hasn't found the right team and I don't know if he'd do that. Uh, I don't know if that will ever happen for him on the Knicks, but you know there is the there is the right match out there for him. 
I just don't think it's going to happen right now. And on, honestly, it seems like Phil is going to be wasting his time, you know, just uh, spending the next few weeks. I don't even know what he's going to, what convinced Mello to go to the Magic or something. I don't know what. Yeah, I mean, and, and the market is limited. But if you you go to, if we fast forward to the summer, and there are two scenarios here where one, you know, he doesn't. If you don't move him now, you can try and move him over the off season. And in that scenario, teams are going to have more cap flexibility. You might also have some desperate squads who whiffed in free agency and might be more amenable to trading Anthony. And when he's just gone through another season of likely missing the playoffs or getting bounced in the first round if the Knicks even get there, maybe he's more open to talking about other teams outside those those three that keep coming up, Boston, uh, the Clippers, and the Cavaliers. And so waiting seems like he, his value's not, I know people say, well, his value's only going to get lower, but you can get an Austin Rivers headline deal for Melo <laughs> over the yeah. offseason. Like, I'm not going to yeah. buy into like, oh, we need to trade him because this is the best offer that's out there. If that's the best offer that's out there, wait until the summer. Yeah. Um, if that's the best offer that's out there, uh, just I would never trade him ever because <laughs> it's just... I mean, that's just like, especially if they take Jamal Crawford, that's just like kneecapping the... I mean, that's I mean that's what happened with Noah, where they just... Oh, we made a move. Okay, we traded for Derrick Rose. Oh, now we need a center. Okay, we're going to give... Uh, we're gonna give an old, washed-up guy uh, a bunch of years, so to okay. play our best player's best position, one yeah, of the worst exactly. decisions ever. So and to be what I mean, you could make an argument that he is the fourth best center on the team right now, <laughs> which is absurd. Yeah, it's and, cool. I mean, in one way, it's cool that they they have done a pretty good job uh, finding uh, guys who can play center. That's just not the guy they paid seventy-two million dollars to. No, and I, it, that contract will never be justifiable. I, like, I, whatever leadership he might bring behind closed doors, however well he even plays on an individual level, he's just clogging up Kristaps to the five, which then clogs up Melo to the four. So it just it has this chain reaction that's just terrible. The other thing the Knicks could try, though, on the Melo front, is if you're not going to move him, because like you said, if, if that's the offer if that's always going to be the level you're working with because he won't go anywhere but the Clippers or maybe the Cavaliers and you're just going to get these terrible offers and, and this is the best one you're going to see, you keep him. He's probably going to opt out or use his early termination option before 2018 free agency. And if you if if he doesn't, like he's not going to add that many wins to your bottom line at this point. Like The Knicks are contending for one of the three worst records in the Eastern Conference with him right now. And maybe yeah. you go into free agency – because Phil Jackson has torched many a bridge in free agency with his comments about <laughs> other players. So at least you have him to sell free agents on. And this summer, there's going to be a ton of point guards out there. So yeah. maybe you finally find a point guard that fits with him, which is, to wrap up my rambling, that's the, the thing that Melo has had absolutely no control over since he got to New York and is not on him. The Knicks continue to surround him with crap ball handlers. Like, and he needs yeah. someone who can get who can get into the lane like Rose, but then who's more willing to pass, which is just not Rose. And defend. Well, I mean, yeah. Melo needs to defend himself, so I'm not about to say, you need to get yeah. someone who plays defense because he needs it. Well, they need some on-the-ball defense. I mean, yeah, Melo has, has checked out. But he actually, last year, he was really, he was really pretty good um, for much of the year on defense. So 
It just feels like, yeah, he's checked out a bit. Um, well, the other thing has to be they were like one of the slowest teams in the league last year, and that has to be easier on him from possession to possession to where I actually haven't even looked at what they rank in pace this year, but it, it has pretty, to be high. It's pretty uh, it's surprisingly high. It's like middle of the pack. Yeah, so it's 13th. Knicks, it's very high. Yeah, so 13th, yeah. And, and last year I would, I would hazard they were in the bottom three. So when you up that speed and you're getting older, like it, yeah. that might have made it easier for him to defend. And also the league is just, I mean, people know how to attack the Knicks. They go smaller, and the Knicks don't respond. So you have Chris Stapps guarding a, you know, basically a small forward playing power forward when he's uh, 7'3". And then you have uh, Mello chasing around a bigger guard when he is, uh, uh, you know, old and much bigger than that. So everybody knows uh, how to attack the Knicks. Right. And, and the Knicks don't ever counter. do anything about it. That, it was the net game that they almost lost the other night. There was a point where, and I love Hernan Gomez and I want to see him get more burn, but where you had him and Kyle O'Quinn. Or no, it was him and Noah on the floor at the same time. Maybe it yeah. wasn't the Nets game, but that has to be. No, they like... started. They started uh, Hernan, Gomez, Hernan Gomez and Noah against the Wizards. Yes, that's what it was. That was terrible because all the Wizards do is play small because they figured out that's how they're good. Yeah. So and, that was just uh, yeah. That was. And uh, how do you not counter throughout the game? And this is where some of the stuff Jeff Hornacek has done, like where he where he like came and called the team out for defense, like I kind of respected. But some of his, his rotations are unpredictable at this point. And his, his decisions that he misses on, sometimes they're so obvious, where it's <laughs> like, we really should move. He talks about moving Melo to the four, but then just doesn't do it. And Oh, yeah, of, that was just really annoying. When Noah was injured, he said, oh, when Noah comes back, maybe he shouldn't start, and then just started him. So And then some of the best defense Melo's played this season – came against Paul Millsap in that quadruple overtime game in Atlanta. Like, he played some good defense on Paul Millsap. Millsap still made a ton of shots, and, and he played well throughout regulation. But, like, Melo was, like, able to keep up with him a bit more, and he looked a little bit more engaged. And Millsap is probably – that's an extreme power forward. Like, he's super mobile. You'll get some other guys yeah. who aren't going to be as good. Yeah, and especially his combination of size and speed where he is, you know – he is bigger than Mello and quick and very skilled. So, yeah, that I mean, it makes more sense than him guarding. God, I don't even know who. I can't even think of some of the guards that they have him on. It's but it doesn't matter anyway. They switch so, so much that uh, they end up with uh, they end up with no on a point guard. And well, it's great because when I when it's Rose's primary defender, and this it gets me so mad whenever they're defending the pick and roll is that, like, it seems like he's supposed to switch, but he doesn't. And he always ends up, he goes, he tries to go around the screen sometimes, he ends up behind his guy, and they've all of a sudden double-teamed the ball handler, and they're getting these wide-open three-point looks off of it, the other team, or the other guy's rolling toward the basket. And I don't know, I'm not going to pretend to be an X's and O's savant, but you would think that Rose is just supposed to not do that, the slide, because every other person looks like they switch, and Rose just... Is like the is the theory? Well, we need to double whoever Rose's guy is. I I don't I don't understand it at all. Yeah, well, Kurt Rambis is fixing that defense. Uh, give it time. <laughs> give it a cu another couple of months. He'll figure it out. 
Well, Jeff Hornacek will probably be fired sometime in May, and then that's when we'll hear about how Rambis is going to take the head coaching reins and fix everything. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he, all he needs is his uh, fourth chance, and uh, he'll, uh, he'll figure everything out. But, now, yeah, the, the thing about Hornacek that I like is that every once in a while, he, more than any Knicks coach in recent memory, will take out the veterans – um, and not put them back in if they are not playing well or not playing hard. That's what happened in the Nets game. He took out Lee uh, and Mello, and he just went with uh, he went with Justin Holiday and uh, Hernan Gomez in, in their places, and it worked well. And he didn't even bring them back. And he did that with Ron Baker over Rose a couple of times. Yeah, that know? Bucks game is the biggest memory where he just let Derrick yeah. Rose watch from the bench as Ron Baker tore it up. Yeah, and that's. You know, no Knicks coach in recent uh, memory has done that. But he doesn't, I mean, he's, he's not even that consistent doing that sometimes. No, Hernan like Gomez sometimes will probably he just get a DMP. So pissed off. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. Not you, I think you were the one that pointed this out on Twitter the one time. Hernan Gomez had a phenomenal game, and then he went to a DNP coach's decision. Oh, yeah. Against in Boston, and they won, and he had a double-double, and the next game he didn't play. It was like, wow. I don't. That's the logic I don't understand. And then you don't know who's like going to be like the second or third guy off the bench ever. Like he goes through these spurts where he falls in and out of love with Kuz. Sometimes we see Baker. Uh, Vujicic came in the other night, and I always get scared when he comes in and does anything good <laughs> because I don't want the coach to fall in love with playing him. Oh, I like because I don't because I've kind of checked out on their results for for uh, recent vintage Knicks because they have been so frustrating. Um, there's something life affirming about, uh, Sasha, Sasha Vujicic coming in in a game and firing like off balance threes and just, Getting two uh, you know, playing, living any, every minute, like it's his last in the NBA because it should be. Um, <clears throat> I, I wouldn't want him if I cared about the Knicks winning more. Yeah. I wouldn't want to see him, but you know, two, four point plays. You can't teach that. You had I, that the other day. I'm not even sure. Like, I think opposing teams get confused that he's on the team or like what he does. Like, yep. I, I was at Nets practice the other day, and someone it was right after the Knicks game, and someone asked Kenny Atkinson about what do you think about Sasha like in his leg kicks on threes, and he just like looked so confused. Um, and he said he no commented it, but he just looked so confused as to why one why are you asking me about Sasha, and two he no commented it because like Sasha's just it's just so bizarre that he gets these random minutes, and then he, he just has this unconditional green light, and I hope it doesn't lead to him subsequently being yeah. put in the rotation. Yeah. I think he, um, his, and I would, I would prefer him not be on the roster, but his, his use, his usefulness is in the idea that um, by putting him in, you should be able to embarrass everyone else. Like, <laughs> like you all are so bad right now, I'm going to put in Sasha Vujicic, and the team will actually play better because that's how terrible you are. I think uh, that is, it's in in a way, it's an effective tool because nobody wants to be the guy who was benched for Sasha Vujicic. That's so. yeah, you know, Ron Baker is one thing. That's a good point, but like, you got benched for Sasha Vujicic, one of the biggest punchlines in the NBA. That's got to be some sort of a motivator. <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. But, I, I mean, Rose didn't seem to be motivated by the Baker thing. He just disappeared for a, a little while. So Rose's, com again, complete disinterest in playing defense 
this year, I don't fully understand. I knew he was never going to be a good playmaker in terms of setting up his teammates because it's a contract year, and he seems like one of those guys who still thinks that we define players by their scoring numbers. But why wouldn't you try on defense in a contract year when you're reportedly looking for a max contract that no one in their right mind is going to give you? And the follow-up question to that, are you convinced that the Knicks aren't going to bring him back? I want to be, but I'm just not sure. I could see a scenario in which they do. Um. Yeah, okay. Well, that's a two-parter. <laughs> One, <clears throat> I think that Derrick Rose honestly believes that he is still a max player and that teams view him as a max player. And that is one of the reasons that he doesn't try on defense. Um, he's really oblivious in a lot of ways. And two, um, I really think the relationship was kind of torched last month um, when he, I guess he was pissed off about the uh, Ron Baker thing. And then he didn't show up for a game or tell anybody. Um, and he came back and he actually played pretty well for a few games. But I just feel like that they're not going to bring him back. And I was worried. I was so worried about it um, in December. But I, I, I just can't see him coming back after what, you know, what has gone down. Um, honestly, like the thing for him, I don't think he will do this. But, I mean, he should go to a better team and be a sixth man. You know, like scoring off the bench, he would be very, very good at that, um, and that is his role at this point. But I don't, he doesn't seem to understand that. Some players just don't get it. No, I mean he's he's on his, he's on course to become pretty much the next Rajon Rondo. But I yeah. don't know, like he'll get NBA contracts and they'll be worth money, but he's not he's not going to make your team better. And I was worried. There was a point this season where the Knicks were like third in the East, and their record still wasn't yeah. great. But when they were third in the East, and I was like, oh, man, they're going to max out Derrick Rose. Yeah, it was Mark Berman who, uh, and you know. But it was Mark Berman uh, when they, the New York Post did their, uh, their New Year's predictions for 2017, and he had something like, the Knicks will sign Derrick Rose to a $150 million contract. Oh, God. And... I was like, "Are you, are you trying to give me a heart attack? Are you, are you being serious? Are you? Is this a joke? Are you? What's happening here?" So, yeah, in in, in a way, January it kind of showed Rose's true colors that he is. Um, I mean, I don't want to. He's a little bit flaky, and he's just, you know, he's not a really guy you want to invest in at this point in his career, even beyond the injuries. Yeah, if. Even and when he plays well by his standards, it, it doesn't equate to Nick's success, which which yeah. bothers me the most. He's and I just looked this up. When he takes more than fifteen shots, there's six and uh, six and sixteen. Like that's just, and it might even be worse when he shoots more. Like if I, even if I just adjust it, like like it's just it's ridiculous when he whenever he scores a lot or shoots a lot, it seems like they lose. And I'm looking at that when he attempts eighteen or more shots. They're two and eleven. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's pretty bad. He's uh, I again, I really think like his upside at this point in his career is a Jamal Crawford type who who can score off the bench and like people value that they overvalue it. 
um, you know, because so so few people can, you know, put up like 30 points coming off the bench. And uh, he could stay around the league doing that. Um, that is his that is his ceiling. And the Knicks don't need that. Um, there may be some other team that does if they can convince him of that. But again, yeah, the difference is Jamal is like a he's a guy who kind of has his head on straight and he understands his role. So he's uh, likable, and Rose just yeah. he isn't he isn't likable. And the whole no, people love him. I, you know this uh, you, uh, if you are on social media, there are people who love Derrick Rose and will completely lay into you if you criticize him. So yes, that is true. I wrote over the summer. I wrote about why he's been overrated from the beginning and we just didn't realize it now and his MVP award like masked a lot of it and he didn't deserve that MVP award. There was just, there were death threats on social media. People get one, it's sports. So that's always, even as someone who writes about it and really cares about sports, it it always amazes me when people get so involved that they get that angry, but that this is the hill you're going to die on though, is the Derek Rose Hill. Yeah. This is the player you're going to defend. Like people, people don't get that. Like, and I guess there are Derrick Rose fans in general who kind of migrated over to Knicks sites. But even there are some Knicks fans who are just like, this is it now. Oh, my God. This is what we've been waiting for. Like they've learned nothing from the past 20 years of uh, signings and trades. Uh, and uh, just they like at the beginning, they're starting to come around. But at the beginning, <clears throat> when you said, oh, you know, Derrick Rose isn't really trying on defense. Why do you hate him? <laughs> oh, he didn't do anything to you. He was proven innocent. Oh, that's uh, so God. Don't even get me started on that. Yeah, innocent until proven guilty, or he was proven whatever. Yeah, the the thing is, it was just all bad. It was just kind of bad mojo from the beginning, and Derek uh, Rose meant a lot to people. Um, but I think Knicks fans are kind of starting to figure it out now. Uh, he's not good, and. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. He's not good. He's not good. I mean, <laughs> he has a skill, and it is a useful skill. Is it uh, when he doesn't get to the foul line or pass or shoot threes like that? Like yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Dribble penetration is a use. It is. I said one skill. He has one skill. He can get to the basket. He doesn't finish or draw fouls, but it or pass. But it is a skill. It is an, an NBA skill. The. Um, you know, it's like uh, Raymond Felton. Oh God! He had, uh, uh, he had his skill. I don't even know what it was, but uh, <laughs> uh, being coached by Mike D'Antoni for a half season was uh, probably his best skill. Yeah, I don't. That's the, true. The thing I hate actually is people talk about that. Maybe not as many people talk about because I certainly don't talk about it. But how knowledgeable that New York fans are. And it still amazes me on the Knicks front how just name sloppy people are. Like they yeah. don't. Oh, Derrick Rose is here. They're like he's so good. Like we got a superstar. Have you not taken stock of the last half, half decade? And when you even looked at this roster, Noah's on the team. Like look at these names. And people thought they were going to win fifty games or that they were going to be a top four team in the East. And it's just like super team. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Derrick Rose thought they were a super team. That that guy's tone deaf. I, I don't even. You have to like to say that to, and some of the other stuff he's done. He's just tone deaf. But people, I, I never understood New Yorkers in this day and age where everything is so nuanced and a lot of other fan bases are smarter than this. We New York as a whole just seems to fall in love 
with these sexy, splashy household names that they've heard of. And I don't understand it. Yeah. I've always uh, operated under the uh, belief that all like no fan base is really smarter than another one. It just depends on what you've grown up uh, watching. So Knicks fans, you know, if we grew up watching the Spurs uh, for 20 years, we would probably be more interested in, like, uh, you know, great bench players who, uh, you know, have a variety of skills that fit perfectly with uh, with the second unit. But we don't have that. We have Eddie Curry and uh, Eric Rose. And so... But I, I mean, Knicks fan and Knicks fans do appreciate a good bench player. So they uh, they're very uh, they're very bipolar. They love like they love the very very expensive uh, player and they love the last player on the bench. Which the Knicks have been pretty good at finding over the years. Yeah. When you which is it's such a it's such an obscure skill of theirs. Relative, they can't hit on the big stuff, but. You know, you date back, you find guys like Jeremy Lin or, or Chris Copeland, and you get guys like Kuz and, and Hernan Gomez. Like, they've made a lot of smart, like, under-the-radar moves. It's their supposedly splashy ones that have, that have sucked. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at the Derrick Rose trade. There is one guy from the Derrick Rose trade who is valuable and they should absolutely resign. That's Justin Holliday. Um, I would love for them to uh, extend him because he has been very good for the Knicks this year. He does a lot of things for them. In in some ways, uh, he's a better passer than Rose. He, uh, you know, he just uh, makes a lot of correct plays, and it's really wonderful to have that on the second unit. I mean, I wouldn't have traded so much just to get Justin <laughs> Holiday, but I mean, he's the he's the 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 piece that they should, uh, you know, go forward with. I'm hoping. And, you know, it doesn't hurt that his brother happens to be one of the best point guards coming up on the free agent market. So if you want to bring Drew and uh, Justin together on the Knicks, I would certainly, uh, I could, I would be amenable. But, Drew, and Drew's a guy who fits with Melo. He can play on oh, yeah. off the ball and he passes. Drew, I mean, Drew Holiday is pretty high up on my list of, like, point guards who I would love to, love to get. Um, but that's the thing, like, if you look at the Nets game, um, or you look at most of their games, I mean, they do. I mean, they have they have uh, Kuzminskis, who is uh, he's just delightful, uh, based based on his social media and everything. But um, he has shown uh, some skill. I mean, he's a little raw still, and he's a little older, but he's like the you know the fourth the fourth forward or whatever. He has shown some legitimate talent. Uh, Hernan Gomez is one of the best rookies, uh, you know, in the below Joel Embiid, uh, you know, little muddled area down there. I mean, there are not many rookies right now playing better than Willie Hernan Gomez, and he's 22, and he's a legit piece to to build around. Um, Justin Holiday is quite good uh, as a as a you know reserve player. They have like good guys and not old guys either. They're, you know, a lot of these guys are, I mean, the oldest guys are 27, I think. So they have like a stable of good uh, backups, but they're, uh, they're supposed, uh, you know, 
the big five or whatever. <laughs> the super team. The, yeah, the super team is their their real fault. I was looking at this the other day. Um, when this goes back to Noah, of course. But, like, if you look at their best pairings, uh, I mean, all of their, like, top pairings by, like, net rating is, like, Justin Holliday, uh, Kuz, Ron Baker, and Hernan Gomez with some of the starters, like, uh, and, you know, a little, even a little Kylo Quinn. And it's just, like, you know, you have Kuz and uh, Hernan Gomez outscore the opponents. Um, Justin Holliday and Derek Rose actually outscore the opponents uh, by a lot. Um, like Rose, Holiday, and Lee is it, in limited minutes has been very effective. These are the guys, um, and that's why I really want them to break up the starting lineup. I don't even care who they take out at this point, but um, they do much better when they are mixing in those reserve players with the uh, the big five or whoever it is, you know, take some take some guys out, and they've done better when they've done better when Noah's out. They've done better, you know, when some of these some of the starters are on the shelf. Uh, they've also done well when Lee was out and Holiday replaced him. I like Courtney Lee, but you know when they when they mix up this uh, starting five, which has been horrible. I mean, they're at the they're way low on the. Uh, the list of five-man groups that have played together a lot of minutes. I mean, they're just getting killed. Yeah, so. the the starter I want to see moved would be would just be Noah. And I don't the returns with Kristaps at the five and Melo at the four. They haven't been great on defense, but the Knicks are never going to be good on defense. And you might as well just try and blitz opponents on the offensive end. And you're never going to be good on defense unless you surround Rose with at least two very capable defensive wings. And yeah. I think you just talked about that trio, so maybe that's why... Yeah. Holiday, Lee, and Lee. Rose. Yeah. The, so that's, that is... What is that? That's where it's at, right there. Yeah, I mean, you need to play... Ideally, though, who would be the starter? You Is it Noah for you, or would you like the Knicks should try and sell Rose on a bench roll, which would not go well, but just an idea. No, role. no, no. And it's not like Brandon Jennings is great shakes, so I don't. Uh, Rose is fine. The Knicks have actually done pretty well on offense with Rose. Um, and Jennings is just a, you know, like a ticking time bomb in every game. So um, I, it would probably be Noah for me. Um, I, I even wouldn't. I wouldn't even mind Kristaps uh, playing with the bench units, just because he does better there, and he just seems like he has more fun. Because he playing. gets the ball. Yeah, playing with his guys, uh, you know, Willie and Coos, and but yeah, I, I, Justin Holiday deserves it the most. I would say, based on his play, he deserves to be in the starting lineup. That I don't. I actually haven't looked at that lineup. But if you if you pull if you yank Noah and you just throw in Holiday. You move every you move Lee up to small forward or Holiday small forward and you keep Mel at the four, Chris up to the five. That seems like you might be able to get enough defense out of that five. Holiday's still kind of a wild card. He tries on that end, but he's still kind of a wild card. But you have Lee. Kristaps uh, has almost become underrated on defense just because if you watch some of the situations he finds himself in, he yeah. shouldn't be in them. So like we yeah. talk about yo, he needs to learn how to get up there and defend in space or defend around the arc. Like, well, you know, the Knicks could also get put him at his natural position or <laughs> yeah. he shouldn't have to He's switch. He's 7'3". How right. many other 7'3 guys are, like, expected to do the things that he is expected to do? 
You know that you don't you don't go up to uh, you know Boban and be like, well, why aren't you defending point guards? <laughs> right. It's almost physically impossible for him to do that. And most big men, even the ones that are kind of good at it, they struggle and they don't have to do it as much. And that's yeah. really where you lose a lot by putting him at the four because you're you're camping Noah out around the paint, which is pretty much all he can do. And that's where that like that's where Kristaps is getting screwed most. And this is probably a good segue into Kristaps because we haven't really talked about him. For everyone who says that the Knicks need to be all about Kristaps, I agree. I would argue, though, that both Rose and Noah have hindered his development more than Mello ever did slash will. No, I don't think Mello has ever uh, hindered his development. I think I love you. Uh, Mello has that. always worked with him. Um, he's learned a lot of moves from Mello on offense. Um, Mello kind of took him under his wing right from the beginning, uh, you know, right after the draft was working out with him in the summer and uh, took him to Puerto Rico. And <clears throat> wait, it was, I let think, me interrupt. It was you that came up with dad Mello, right? You yeah. Dad Mello. That was a great, yeah. Sorry, throw it back to happier times. Sorry. And yeah, but dad Mello was when Chris Dobbs was a rookie, uh, Mello was having his best, uh, year as an, as a playmaker. You know, he was doing, he was, uh, he led the team in assists last year. He was doing a lot of great stuff, and this year, it's just it hasn't been there. And it just seems like, with Rose uh, d- dominating the ball so much, Melo is just like, okay, when I get the ball, you know, he's the point guard. I'm, I'm the forward. I'm just gonna score now, and uh, it's it sucks. It sucks to watch. Right. It was it, better last year. Yeah, and I mean, it, it comes back to that. If Rose passed him more. Or they, I guess, had better, let's call it chemistry, if we want to cop out on Rose's behalf. But Melo might not get the urge to abandon plays or get in these isolations so much if he's getting more catch-and-shoot opportunities. He's one of the most lethal catch-and-shoot guys in the league. You just yeah. like When he catches it and he's firing within a second or two without having a dribble, that's the only, t- only play type of his career where I can remember like feeling this shot's going in. And that's the feeling you tend to get with great players. And Melo's never been that guy where there are nights where he shoots and you're like, oh, that's going in. But from a night-to-night basis, it fluctuates. But in the, those scenarios, when he's just firing right off the catch without having to dribble, just in my head, I get that feeling like, oh, that's probably going in. Yeah. He's also always been good at uh, uh, trailing trailing three-pointers. I always I always feel like he's uh, when he's the trail man and he gets the ball, on the on the secondary break, he's gonna he's gonna nail it. He has a knack for that. But yeah, it's just Mello. I I don't really ever believe that Mello has hindered Kristaps because I think if you put them both in their correct positions, they work very well together. Um, is it Mello's fault that he's being uh, he's playing at the three and Kristaps is playing at the four? Um, you know. You hear a lot of stuff that he doesn't like to play power forward, so you don't know. But uh, it's just uh, they've always they've always worked well together in the past. So yeah, I just uh, the Rose thing it just hasn't worked. The Noah thing <laughs> he had much better defensive chemistry with Robin Lopez. I know Robin, Lopez has had a bad year this year, but like they just clicked the two of them, and they were awesome on defense together. And with Noah, they just don't have that chemistry. Right, and uh, Noah's defensive numbers are good, 
um, when you look yeah, at the advanced metrics. The thing is, though, and I've looked um, on NBA Wowie, like he, if you if you ask him to play without Kristaps, like it just it doesn't work. Like he needs Kristaps on the floor to have this positive impact, which kind of reinforces how important Porzingis is and and how good he's still kind of been despite what the Knicks are doing. Um, oh but, yeah, I'm still his his rim protection number. Top five in the league. Still good, I think. I haven't checked them in a while. But. Yeah, when I don't know the percentage, but if you yeah. like, if you narrow it down to like people who contest like five shots per game, he's in the top five. So yes, so I mean, he he does what you want a very tall man to do, <laughs> and more. It's just uh, I, the fact that he ta- the fact that Rose is taking more shots per game than him, um, and yet Kristaps is still the one who's averaging more point. Like that, it's stuff like that that just gets me in. You have to wonder what Phil Jackson was thinking. I, even the people who like spun it as, well, he just wants extra cap space uh, so that he can go after another point guard the following summer. One, you turned around and signed Joakim Noah, who cost way more than Robin Lopez. Yeah. Um, and two, now we're at trade mellow. Like that, that's the thing I, I can't seem to wrap my head around. And even if you want to, to rebuild from the studs, trading mellow doesn't, it doesn't do that. Like, cause you still have Noah, you still have Lee. Who, yes, you can move, but you're not moving Noah. We don't know. Rose is still on the team. We don't know if they'll resign him. We assume not. But people look at it as like, you need it. Like Melo needs to go so that they can rebuild. Even if Melo was in some way hindering Porzingis's development, which, as you pointed out, he's not. Like he, he you don't move him, and you're you're not suddenly rebuilding. Like it, there's just so many other <laughs> steps that need to be taken because of the way the Knicks assembled the rest of this roster and the thing the thing that pisses me off most though is people saying well like he's the reason they have all these contracts phil's a big boy executive if he's gonna go after noah trade for rose hand out shell out these deals because Melo's window to win is now like you can tell Melo, like we're doing this like what you're trying to do now so like that argument doesn't even have weight anymore that the knicks feel this sense of urgency because of him because it's their job not to feel that urgency as an executive, and two, now they're trying to move him, which they could have done before signing Noah or trading for Rose. Yeah, I mean it was a terrible, uh, it was a terrible free agent class for point guards. Um, but just, I mean, if you look at back at last year's team, one of their, I'm um, almost their number one problem was shooting guard. Uh, Aaron Aflalo was just god awful, and. Uh, by replacing them, by replacing a flower with Courtney Lee, um, and just kind of rolling, uh, just kind of rolling with the that group with a flower in place of Lee. I mean, I would have rather watched that. So, yeah. I mean, Give me the extra year of Jose Calderon at this point. Like I just, <laughs> at least he passed and could shoot threes. Yeah. Well, he's. I guess he's been injured the whole year, but whatever. Well, that. Might I don't give them. Give me another year of uh, Jerry and Grant. Like, at least try to make something out of him. And uh, right. so, yeah, it's just dumb. He doesn't look good with the Bulls, but the Bulls, they're just a giant clump. Their floor yeah. spacing is so bad. Yeah. So, I, yeah. And he all, I mean, he defends, like, better than any point guard on the Knicks roster now. So, he would have more use with the Knicks, I would say. Um, and, again, he might never amount to anything. He might not even be a backup in you know a couple of years i don't care just like try it try yeah I, and 
you I and it was good to get him. Like remember Tim Hardaway Jr.'s value, it's it might be a little higher now, but it was baseboard low when they dealt yeah. him and they still got a first round pick. So you look at that trade and that that's the one that people point towards like Phil did a really good job and when I think a report came out earlier this season where it said the Knicks won't trade draft picks and I saw someone uh, a verified account. I think I think it was I can't remember someone legit, but was like it's refreshing to see an executive uh, in New York take this stance. Phil not only traded Jaron Grant already, but he used Amon Shumpert as a sweetener so that the Cavs would take on J.R. Smith's contract, which wasn't even terrible because you knew he was going to be a free agent at season's end. Yeah, the Jr. thing. The Jr. thing in hindsight, like he he became so good playing with LeBron, of course, and he started to mature. But I, people forget how just like god awful he was that last season. But the deal, um, I don't mind. I didn't mind that as much because yeah, Shumpert had kind of played out his uh, his time in New York, and even like last year uh, when or when he was healthy, you know, Lance Thomas, who they got for him. Was a good player, so that's fair. I forgot about yeah. Lance Thomas. I still, but even if we're in a vacuum, like give me crappy Jr. for that, like other year than I guess rather than just dealing away. Like it just seems like even the Tyson Chandler trade wasn't that good, and it just seems like he, the, the Jackson's track record was getting buoyed for so long, and I just don't. And we've had this conversation before. I'm not. He doesn't deserve. How much credit does he deserve for drafting Porzingis? There's a level where it's like, all right, he, he needed to have the guts to pull the trigger on that pick. Yeah. But didn't if Jaleel Okafor, for, um, like, would he have taken him if he had his way? Oh, yeah, he, he, would, he said he would. Right. God, he's so – he's insane about what he is so bluntly honest about. Um, the one thing that is booing him right now is the um, – and he should thank God. He should be telling uh, Hornacek to play him all the time. Is the Hernan Gomez trade? Um, that is his new, like basically Jerry and Grant for Tim Hardaway. He got he got Hernan Gomez, who is, I mean, if you watch them, he is legitimately better than Jaleel Okafor in the second <laughs> round from the Sixers for two second round picks. And, uh, like, that trade is an absolute steal right now. I mean, people don't want to, you know, this is my hot take. I would not trade Hernan Gomez straight up for Okafor right now. No, uh, why, why would you? Like, it's no, just... It's, yeah. So, you know, the, the, Knicks, the Knicks wound up with a two big men better than the guys the Sixers got for at number three. And uh, they actually like got the big man that the Sixers drafted the superior one they got him for two second round picks so that is right now his his uh, saving grace that 2015 draft was his like shining achievement and that was the funny thing that he was like he distanced distanced himself from Grant so quickly it was just like outside of that night what has he done Right, and the the Hernan Gomez edition is that was just phenomenal. And but here's the flip side for me: Did you see any potential whatsoever in Hernan Gomez that you felt it necessary to go out and give Joakim Noah seventy two million dollars when you already had Kristaps on the roster? You had O'Quinn who can play some center too. Is probably better off at center at this point. 
So like th- things like that kind of get me. It's like, okay, cool, he got Porzingis, but now he's pigeonholed him to the four for the next oh, three yeah. or four years. Well, it's I absolutely did not see uh, Hernan Gomez being this good this quickly or this good ever. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would have just preferred them to, even after trading Rose, just or even if they were going to give Noah a contract, who is going to give him four years? Right, I who mean, is- even if they went for two. Even two, you know, even if he was useless for two years, it's not that, it's not like a killer. But four, it was just, I mean, that had to have been two years more than any other team was offering. Right. I don't know who they were bidding against. I know the Wizards were linked to him for a minute, but there was no way. In the, like, Jan Mahimi was the better free agent They at the time. He's been injured now, but they gave him less money than Noah got from the Knicks. So that they, they were bidding against no one in my mind. Like, I don't, and they signed him so quickly. Like, he was one of the first, like, Knicks, have, we knew it was happening before free agency even started. So, yeah. that, it's just, that continues to boggle my mind. But, to big picture this, it, are they, can they be, with this roster, any better than they are right now? 22 and 29, just outside the Eastern Conference playoff picture. You mean this year? Yeah. Is, is this team, I'm not even talking about playoffs, but can they be... Like, is this their ceiling? Just that roller coaster team that's gonna never get to 500 or close to it again? Well, I don't think they're gonna get to 500, but they can be better. Um, I don't think that they have been playing their better guys the the proper minutes. Um, and you've you've seen that in recent uh, the last couple of weeks, they played much better. Um, their record's still right around what are they like three and four in their last seven? Yeah, but they have played legitimately like much better basketball and they have been playing Hernan Gomez more. They've been playing Justin holiday more, you know, they, um, they relied on, uh, Courtney Lee a little bit more, you know, to shoot, which is better since he shoots a very high percentage. And, uh, they toss in Ron Baker every once in a while when he's, uh, you know, when he's feeling frisky and it is, I mean, are these guys world beaters? No, but they're better. They're doing a better job than the people who have been playing before. So they deserve more minutes. And they've been getting them recently, and the Knicks have been playing better. I don't know how much better they can play, but um, a lot of it depends on Kristaps. How, you know, is he hurt? Is he just uh, running out of gas? But they can absolutely play better. Um, I don't think their ceiling is high. But the East is, I mean, God, everyone in the East, it's amazing how bad everyone's... The Knicks are 1.5 games out of the playoffs entering Friday. Yeah. That's absurd. I mean, like, yeah. And it's not only that the, the those other teams are like like the Bucks and the, the Hornets and all them, they're, they're, they're like cratering. The Knicks have beaten all of them recently, I think. I mean, they, they, they beat the Pacers in Indiana. They beat the Bucks in Milwaukee. They, they beat the Hornets. They beat the they Bulls. They crushed the Bulls both times they played them. It's, I mean, it's really, they're, they're just a weird-ass team. Uh, they're just weird. They're not. And like I said, just based on how, you know, if Hornacek, he hasn't seemed to be really consistent. If he can get consistent play. And, uh, you know, all it takes is like a four-game winning streak in this conference. So. Yeah, I mean, if they can ever read a little, like they're just the thing that gets me with them is 
they're just not going to improve defensively. And every time I see that they rank 24th in defensive efficiency or 23rd, they've been vast. Like, I'm pleasantly surprised because watching them, and even when I watch teams like the, okay, yeah, the Nets and the Lakers, like they've been really bad on defense. But when I watch like the Nuggets and the Kings and the Suns and the Blazers and these teams that are below them in defense efficiency right now, like I don't get that fe- that hopeless feeling for their defense just by watching the Knicks. They're just they're a collective turnstile and they just, they fold so easily. And I don't think, you know, maybe the change we talked about where you pull out Noah and you throw in holiday, like that gives you a little more versatility. It's easier to switch. We've even seen when Baker's on the court, sometimes they look a lot better defensively because he switches so well. relative. Yeah. He to switches relative. well. And he also just like stops. He just like stops the ball. I mean, you know what I mean? He's just, He's not he's not uh, going for steals all the time like uh, Jennings and Rose are, and he just stays in front of the ball handler. I mean it's not it's not rocket science. Sometimes they just they just kind of ole and just let the guy go past, or they just get stuck on screens for you know 15 seconds. So uh, just a guy who shows up and doesn't do that helps the offense immeasurably. So and again, I I don't. Th- you're right. They they will not improve on defense. I think their offense has a much higher ceiling than what they've shown, and if they will are willing to, you know, do that, and that that honestly probably means playing Noah a lot less, um, playing Chris Stapps at the five, playing Willie, um, maybe sprinkling in O'Quinn a little bit. But I mean, what is Noah giving you on offense? Nothing. He's he's still yeah. a pretty good passer, but he he can't yeah. move with the ball, so that limits his passing abilities. Yeah, and, and nobody they they play like five feet off of him anyway, so it's hard to it's hard to pass when everyone's playing you to pass. And this, the Knicks. This is the other thing that gets me, as the many things I think I've said get me like a million times this podcast. But they don't. Their off ball movement is so bad. We yep. talk we talk about Mel being in isolation, but like. There's one of two things that are happening here. Either he's abandoning the set and his teammates are allowing him because they're just standing there, or that's the actual plan, which is so scary to think about. But they just they watch him, and it's even with when Rose is driving, they're just they're so immobile. And if you were just had one guy in motion a lot off the ball, like Courtney Lee does a nice job of this a lot, or at least when he's on the break or getting up the floor, he does a great job of finding the corners. Like the Knicks in general just don't, and even Mello, he he's okay when he's not on the ball and he's coming up the floor. But everyone when they're in the half court is so stationary. That's why you can look at and be like, hey, their their offense could be a lot better because they're not yeah. doing a fundamental thing. And that's why Willie and uh, Kuz have it really improved their offense because they they go to the correct spots a lot of the time, and a lot of the other a lot of the other guys don't. Um, I remember a play from a couple of games ago where, like, it was it was late in the fourth, I think, and um, Willie went to the short corner. Now he's not, uh, yeah, it was against the Hornets, I think. He's not going to shoot from there, but he, like, he was in the proper spot for someone in, in, on his spot in the court. He was in the corner, and uh, I think maybe it was Lee threw him a pass, and just by him being in the right position it threw the defense uh, out of whack you know a guy ran over to him just because they're so used to 
running at the guy in the corner and he threw it over either the holiday or Jennings or something for a wide open three. So, you know, it's just stuff like that. Stand in the right place, go to the right spot, get down the court and set a screen, uh, move around, cut. There are guys that do that. They haven't been playing until recently. And they, the Knicks did just have their best offensive month. Um, by net rating. Oh, what did you? What was scary? You told me this before the podcast. Oh yeah, you to drop that stat. The number one stat uh, that will destroy the brains of Knicks fans everywhere. By net rating, the month of January, where they were five and twelve, was their best month of the season. I think they were negative uh, two point seven. It's disgusting. And um, even even in uh, December. No, even in November when they were eight and eight, their net rating was like negative two point eight. So <clears throat> they they did have a lot of close games in in January, which definitely yeah. helped them. And that yeah. that random destruction of the Celtics and the Bulls, those two wins, I just didn't didn't see either of those coming. Yeah, I mean they've just played, they have played uh, more consistently recently. Now they have uh, totally screwed the pooch. Uh, late in the fourth in most of those games, which the Knicks do. But, you know, give me consistently okay basketball. As opposed <laughs> to before, when they were supposedly good, they were, you know, getting blown out. But also, you know, every time it was a close game, they kind of, you know, Mello would hit a shot or Rose would hit a shot. And, uh, you know, they were just kind of getting by. But they were most of the time getting manhandled. Uh, it's it has been better recently. I don't think it's going to be good enough, but they are making some strides, and they're they have some good young players who are playing more and playing pretty well. It's just the big picture guys who are just destroying them. So, so. to kind of bring this all together, my final question and. Playoffs or not for this team? Do you think they're, they're a game and a half out right now, which is why I think it's a fair question. It is uh, fair. Um, well, I guess the first question would be, do you think they're going to trade Melo? We're both in agreement that it's not going to happen during the season. No. So, two, do you think that they're going to get into the playoffs? Or do you, do you think that they're even going to get to nine and finish the season there? Like, do you think it's going to be not, that I hope close? Not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I mean... Uh... Nine, nine would be the worst spot for them. I mean, I wouldn't mind them getting to the playoffs. Uh, you know, seeing Chris Stapps in a postseason series would be delightful, even if they got uh, their asses kicked. Um, but like getting close and finishing like higher up, uh, like around like twelfth uh, or eleventh, which I think they're at eleventh right now. And yeah. Uh, the tankathon ratings and the Heat are right are game and a half behind them, and even yeah. uh, scary or still, the Sixers are only three games behind them. Yeah, um, so like I said, I would rather, you know, if they're gonna, I would rather them tank, but shut Mellow down with a shoulder shoulder injury or something. But at the yeah. same at the same time, can you? You're a game and a half out. It, there has I to can't. Be. No, they, you you can't do that. And this is why I'm scared that this is going to be one of those, like, during the Isaiah years where they always tended to finish, like, one spot too too high in the draft to pick the impact player. So I feel like, you know, if there's, like, 
if there's ten quality guys in this in this draft coming up, they'll finish eleven. <laughs> yeah, there's like five good point guards, and and they're gonna draft. They're gonna, the they're yep. gonna miss them all. They're gonna miss them all. I guarantee you. I yeah. feel it, but uh, it seems like it's a pretty deep draft. But they're gonna they're gonna screw it up somehow. I just so whatever, man. Yeah, just like like play Willie, play Chris Stapps, play these guys. Uh, you know this wacky. Motley Crew and uh, that would also be the real way to get Mello to. I, he said it like if they said they want to rebuild now, but like and he says it exasperatedly like, well, they could have come to me and said, I thought they were rebuilding the last two or three years, and now all of a sudden we have no one rose. But if you're playing the younger guys more, like show you're committed to rebuilding that, and don't just throw Mello's name in the trade rumors and use him as this scapegoat. But like show it, play the young guys, like you said, especially because the young guys are playing well. Yeah, and they're legitimately. I mean, some of the older guys on this team have been so bad that there's no upside other than you just kind of praying that they recapture their youth, and that's a losing bet. Joakim so, Noah is proof. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well. Uh, I would like to thank you for coming on. It, it was a blast to talk Knicks, um, even if it was a little bit depressing. If oh, I think it was not as depressing as uh, as it could be. They, like I said recently, Willie has Willie has really uh, he's, he's shouldering the hopes of the franchise all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden he uh, he's the he's the new uh, built Chamberlain, as I call him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, if you guys want to talk to Joe more, uh, definitely read his work over at postingandtoasting.com. Uh, his stuff is fantastic when he publishes. And if you want to talk to him on Twitter, he is at China Joe Flynn. Uh, his last name is F-L-Y-N-N. The rest of the handle is spelt like it sounds. If you want to talk to me, I am at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. If you want to talk to Adam Frommel, that he is at Frommel09, F-R-O-M-A-L-09. There, Andy Bailey can be found at Andrew D. Bailey, spelled like it sounds. All of us can be found, with the exception of Joe, at the Hardwood Knox Twitter handle. Um, that will be all. Thank you guys for listening. Until next time. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. The Aaron's AA team makes getting the name brand furniture, electronics, and appliances you need easy and affordable. We're talking top brands like HP, Samsung, GE, Beautyrest, and so many more. Take them home today, then make low monthly payments until they're yours for good. 
Aaron's great rent-to-own deals even come with easy approvals and free delivery. That's Aaron's, the rent-to-own power of the AA team.